I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Matters podcast. And, you know, Victoria is in the midst of another isolated period, according to our COVID pandemic that the world is experiencing. But my guest today is coming from her farm in Victoria. And it's a pleasure, Meg, Meg Price, to say hi and um, to just to reach out and say there's many, many Australians thinking of you all in Victoria at the moment. Thank you, Kelly. You know, the Thriving Matters podcast is really about ordinary guys and gals like us doing some pretty extraordinary things. It's not about tooting our own horn. It's about sharing your story and how we we got there. And, you know, thriving isn't always about happy and upbeat. Thriving is really about those key troughs of up and down, the daily struggles, the change that we live through and the skills that we've developed over our lifetime. And uh, some of us have a little bit more life experience than others. But at this moment in, in history, our thriving mechanisms are really crucial because a lot of us are wondering what the future will hold for us. So we're living in uncertainty and change. And I'd just like you to give us an idea of what it is that really puts a smile on your face most days, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's huge restrictions on our movement and the way that we're interacting these days. I think for me, the, the thing that I guess I smile about is I'm still, I've still got my family around me. I've still, you know, got people that I love around me. They're all in the one house. I've got I've got teenagers, so <laughs> one of them is actually in Canberra. But for the first lockdown, she was living with us, and I realised nobody was, they couldn't go out, they couldn't go anywhere, so I had them trapped. And I really enjoyed that because I just, I was surrounded by them all the time. So I, you know, I feel very fortunate. And as you say, I'm on a farm. I can get outside. I can get fresh air. Uh, I feel very lucky compared to, to many. And I, we don't even know what's happening in many people's houses. Everybody's got their story. Mm. So just trying to be compassionate to everybody I pass. And I find that it's been really interesting lately with the, we have to wear masks when we go outside in Victoria at all all times. So you just see eyes. And I I still think when you smile, you can see that in people's eyes. So just to smile at strangers and have that bit of eye contact, even though you're not seeing a mouth, it still works. It's like an instant um, empathy for each other, isn't it? You know, we will get through this together. Um, uh, And and look, everyone, you're right. Everyone's got a different story and um, we can make great assumptions. um, But you know what? The reality is very difficult for a lot of, lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. So Meg, you've got, um, you've got, got access to fresh air. And you've got access, obviously, on a farm to animals or crops. So would you like to tell us a bit about who's on the farm? <laughs> yes, so my farm is an alpaca farm, which is a little bit different from, from many. And so they're just cute, fluffy sheep with long necks. 
and alpacas are interesting because I've, I've had some sheep as, as well. And I grew up uh, when I was a kid with cattle and we've had horses. So I've seen all sorts of different animals. But the alpacas are really interesting because unlike sheep, which who are a bit skittish and perhaps not that into people unless you've hand reared them, alpacas are really curious. And, and as you know, one of the things that drives me is this curiosity about all sorts of things. So seeing an animal that's curious uh, and living with these animals and they're just gentle, curious beings and, and they're wonderful and they're fluffy and they're, they're good on the land. They don't, you know, kick up the earth. They're very good on the land. We've discovered that they've got antibodies that could actually help be the cure and or the treatment for COVID. So it, there's some wow. really interesting research that's been done in alpacas and mm. their antibodies and how that might help with the COVID situation. So yeah, it's, it's different and a lot of fun. That is amazing, isn't it? No wonder you were drawn to alpacas because that's your interest, you know. Well, it, it was accidental. I've got to say, we, we bought a farm and we inherited some alpacas. You, you know, like many things, you, you fall into stuff you don't, you don't necessarily mean. And, and one of my children absolutely adored them. And he now, he breeds alpacas and he shows them at, at the, you know, like Royal Melbourne show and national shows. Uh, and he does a lot of work with them. So yeah, we fell into it, but we have taken to it and love it. And you know, that's, um, that is a great analogy because we, in life, we often fall into a path or a role or circumstance that really makes a difference for us in who we are yeah. and who we become and what we're passionate about doing. I think that's beautiful. I love that notion of the curious animals. Curious animals. Yeah. I think we can learn a lot from animals and watching animals and how they cope with different situations and maybe sometimes we need to be a bit more like them. Oh, that's so true, isn't it? Um, just think about what a dog a dog does for, for most people or the, or the pet of choice. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Meg, tell us a little bit about your interest in human resources and then your interest in emotional intelligence because we do share a, a common interest and a common certification with um, Genos International. You've had a number of roles. You're currently the, the founder and director of HR Inside, but you've had another a, a number of other avenues that you've worked in. So you've worked in Australia and in Asia. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, so interesting, and maybe it's another sort of fall in, but I, when I finished school, of course, like probably 90% of 18-year-olds didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with people. I've always been curious about people and what makes people tick. And at the time, I thought, oh, maybe social work. And then I thought, mm, I'm 18. What do I know about the world? Maybe I'll come back to social work one day. So, But in the meantime, I'll go and do a, a business degree and and majored in human or what at the time was personnel management. And that got me into working for law firms for a lot of time in HR. Uh, and then as you say, I moved, moved to China and worked in HR consulting there and what, what was at the time a business that was developing up monster.com, which was like seek.com and got to set up a business in China, which was just awesome experience. Wow. And when I came back to Australia now 19 years ago, I was pregnant with my first child and I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? What do we do? So I decided then, um, why don't I start my own business? And started in HR consulting and soon found I was just fighting fires. I was, I was helping people performance manage. I was helping get rid of people from businesses. 
horses. Mm. I thought, ah, this isn't what I want to do. I wanted to get proactive and help leaders understand people and be able to, you know, to not have the fires, to get there before those fires started. So they didn't need people like me coming in to, to help put them out. And that's what led me to Genos. Uh, about 17 years ago, when Ben Palmer first started Genos, I found them because I was working a lot with engineers and accountants and lawyers who needed a framework for emotional intelligence. And at that time it was, oh, are we gonna hug trees or what are we gonna do? Do we have to be all emotional? <laughs> no, we need to be intelligent. <laughs> And Genos gave me a really good framework to help people understand that and help develop competencies that really for most of us, we just weren't taught at school or growing up. You know, I just sort of followed that path and I think followed that, you know, my stories, I just followed that passion in really interested in how humans tick. Oh, it's so interesting. And these days where you still see a little bit of the notion of soft skills when you're reading articles, reading research, they are no longer soft skills. They are essential skills. And a lot of my work is in education. And I would say to you that education is one of the areas that we could do so much more around the essential skills because it goes to our social and emotional well-being and at the moment with COVID well-being has just come right to the fore it's like the tv screen that you turn on or the radio you turn on or your device each day and it's like a flash how's your well-being today it's just in your face it's problematic i think because we've we've got a more connected world and we've got people now in the workforce who have only ever known the iphone and this connected world but apparently the statistics are that of those millennials 30% are lonely. More people have got more anxiety and depression than ever before. So although we're more connected, my concern is we seem to be reducing levels of empathy and compassion and, and seeing wider perspectives. So I think we, I agree, we have to do a lot in education and not, you know, I saw my kids go through school and it just depended on the teacher, what they were taught and how they were taught social, emotional education, not a really thought out plan as I could see. And we're gonna to have to tackle it, all of us. I think you bring up an interesting point about um, loneliness, uh, even though we're connected to devices, because you can have quite an artificial life through Instagram, through Facebook, whatever it is, TikTok, whatever it is that people are using. Um, and everything looks wonderful. Nobody wants to admit it, but today is Are You Okay Day? And I'm so pleased I'm talking to you today because it brings this all together because it is about connecting and not being afraid to show some care for somebody and just ask the question, are you okay? Because we often are very fearful of, oh no, what are they gonna draw me into a conversation that I don't have expertise for? But we're not actually asking for expertise. We're saying a listening ear yeah. is perhaps all that's needed. You actually don't have to do anything else, but the listening ear is is the first port of call. And the thought, that thought of care for somebody and curiosity about them. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting. So I've been doing quite a bit of work and study in neuroscience and currently working on a project with a couple of others, which is you know in the top secret stage in terms of a 
a product to help build empathy and insight. And some of the research we're doing, and it's around sort of the millennial age group, social media, you, you put your best put, put out, bit out there, don't you? You're, you're putting the great pictures on Instagram and the great pictures on Snapchat and Facebook. And what we're finding is a lot of people then really struggle to take that armour off and be vulnerable. And, and so they're not really having those conversations with other people. Um, and I find that just that whole concept really, really interesting to explore more of. And, and if we keep ourselves armoured up, what does that mean for our, our future? And what does that mean for us as, as leaders? These people will be soon in leadership roles but they're, they're really close to sharing, sharing the tough stuff. As you say, thriving's about, there's tough stuff and good stuff. It doesn't yeah. all have to be good. But the research is they're finding it really hard to share that and open up. Yeah. The, um, look, I know one of the, um, you have a particular model that you've, um, you've worked on and you've done some study with. You've, it's uh, available through a blog on your website and it's, it's the care model. So I thought it was a great, um, chance to have a chat with you about the model today because it, it resonates with what you just been what we've just been talking about. And one of the things that we do share is this um, keen interest in our developing our emotional intelligence for coping with the the ups and downs, but also being able to apply what we know from previous situations into new things because you know every day is different. You know if you look at a, a family. The, the daily routine is really different. Now we have families of more than four living in a home, sharing resources, not having enough space. There's a whole lot of anxiety and stress that goes with that and negotiation skills. And the care model, I think, is worth, worth exploring just for that. So tell us a little bit about where it came from and what the acronym means. Yes, so as I say, I've been doing studies in some neuroscience and I did a, went and did an advanced diploma in neuroscience of leadership with neurocapability and, and I'm now looking at taking that further to do my master's or, and I'll go as, you know, as far as I can with it because I just love doing it. So having done that, there's a, a few models out there like um, David Rock's SCARF model and other models and I, I looked at some of these and I wanted something that resonated with me and that that I understood and I could build a little bit more into. So as I was doing that study and looking at it, I came up with this really easy to remember uh, care model. And in the center of, of the model is curiosity because I want, I want people to really be open to thinking about things in a completely different way and seeing things from different perspectives. So the model basically relies on this you know, we as humans, uh, we're wired to think, is something a threat or is something a reward? So I had that great quote that, you know, we're, our brains are a Velcro for the negative stuff and Teflon for the positive stuff. We remember and we take in all of this negative stuff because every second we're five, we're five times more likely to look for threat because it's our survival mode. Yeah. So if all of that's happening, then if we can condense that down to well, what are the, just the four elements that trigger both positive and negative? And if I can be curious about this, I can start working out what is it that triggers me? You know, it can be just in the kitchen, doing the washing up. My husband says something, I get really, you know, annoyed. 
at the time, I might not be good at doing this, but afterwards I think, okay, that's interesting. What what part of that model just got triggered for me? So there's four elements and, the, and, and I challenge you that next time you're frustrated, angry, something happens in a social situation, think of these four things and think, which one just got triggered for me? And you can be triggered, as I say, positive, negative. So the, the first one's this idea of the C is clarity. Our brains love clarity and we're often told uh, you know, our brains love certainty, but certainty is a concern for me because you can't have certainty. We didn't know that coronavirus was going to, to hit. We don't know what's going to happen uh, it, next year. So when you ask leaders and people to give people certainty, I think that's I think that's a bit harsh or, you know, we can't do it, but we can give clarity. I may not have all the information. I may not know when yeah. we're out of lockdown, but I'll be really clear with you with what I do have. So Renee Brown's uh, quote, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So clarity. So sometimes when you're triggered and you think, oh, I'm really annoyed with this person, is it because actually, I don't think I'm getting clarity. You know, Carrie hasn't really told me all the story. So I know what, my brain will make up its own story and I'll run with that. Now it's gonna not be true, but I'm gonna run with it because my brain will reward me for having a story. So the more clarity you can give me, the more I don't make up silly stuff. Yeah, as Renee says, the stories you tell yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I have to make up those stories if you don't give me any information. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably still make them up even if you give me bits of information. But the more you give me, the more likely we're going to see the same story. Yeah. So yeah, clarity is the first one. Second one A is around this idea of autonomy because you know just have a think about when you were last micromanaged or told can you do this now this way and and please you know put the lid on this way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I sit there going, oh, stop telling me what to do. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> and with all of these things, some things affect us more and in different situations. So you can often tell people that I get really triggered by autonomy. And often they are uh, people like entrepreneurs, people that like a lot more flexibility, a lot more, more choice. They might be more likely to be triggered by somebody giving them that micromanaging detail. Yeah. So autonomy, so I'll get, I'll get rewarded when people give me a choice. Then C-A-R, R is then around the, the relationship. So, you know, as we've talked about, I think it's so critical to our human brain that we have, we have relationships where we feel valued, we feel that we contribute to the relationship, we feel listened to. It's, as you said, with Are You OK Day, we're really good often at talking about ourselves, but not necessarily really good at, at listening and valuing other people's contribution. Mm. So we can get really triggered when people don't value us, don't ask us for our opinion, or you know, ask us and then say, oh yeah, thanks, anyway, we'll do it this way. You know, you can <laughs> see people going, yeah, that didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one's around equity. So E, e for the care models, equity, because it's not, it's around our sense of fairness and it's a perception of fairness. Yeah. So people will see, and, and you know, we're seeing that a lot with, even with all of the, the work that's been done with Black Lives Matter and racism and, and people saying, well, this, this thing of, oh, I, I don't see color, where actually that's not helpful. We need to be really empathetic and see, well, where, where have people come from? What's happening for them mm. and really, do that anti-racism stuff of trying to understand and seek to understand a lot more about where's their starting point mm. versus 
my starting point or your starting point. So equities are really, you know, fundamental figure to me to the brain. If I don't perceive something as fair, I'm going to, I'm going to get upset. So that, that's really the care model. And it can trigger us either both into threat stage or into re reward stage. So if I'm working with people and I want to create dopamine in their brains and get them solution focused and, and working, I'm going to do things like give them clarity, give them choice, really help them feel valued, have a great relationship with them and make sure they perceive that things are fair. Oh, I think that's a great example. And when you were running through the, the C-A-R-E, when you got down to equity, I thought, wow, this is packed full of high emotion, particularly at the moment. Um, and if we do a global audit, uh, there isn't one country that's not experiencing heightened emotion in a, in, a, in a whole lot of these areas around clarity. What's, what's going to happen to us around, am I able to do what I usually do or what, you know, where, where's my autonomy in this? My relationships, well, there are some people who are saying, actually, I'm not coping very well, so I just need to focus on me at the moment and getting my family through this. I'm just going to cut out the noise, the extra noise that's coming in. And then, of course, equity. Yeah, and equity is a really interesting wow. one. There has been a bit of work around the, well, hang on a second, you're all working from home having tea parties, but I'm essential services and I'm out there on the on the front line and, and yep. you know, you're, you're getting paid this or, you know, so there's been a lot of stuff that's triggered people in different ways around equity. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really like the fact that, um, you know, we t we're talking, most people now can talk about, assumptions and perceptions and the triggers that hit our values and our beliefs. You know, if we've only believed a particular thing all our life, it's, it's a huge adjustment for us to actually move ourselves into the experience of another person so different to actually be open enough and compassionate enough to listen to their story and then go, actually, I've got to rejig how I'm thinking about things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that paradigm shift to me and the in the the heart of the care model is that curious mindset and I again go back to a quote from Brené Brown who's got so many brilliant quotes around mm -hmm. this area and her hers is um and I use this every single day because it's been a game changer for me when she says if you choose to believe everybody is doing the best best they can today with what they have then if that's true what do you need to do to help them? Oh, and it, that's powerful, you know, isn't it? Mm. So the person that cuts in front of me in the traffic or, or you know, does whatever they've done, I, I often think, well, hang on, if they are doing the best they can with what they have, what do I need to do here to step up? And I think, I think you've moved us to being present in the moment so we can actually be aware of what it is you need to do for somebody else. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point because that's the key to this care model is that when I have those those triggers, you know, if I'm feeling a, a, a so-called unproductive emotion, I can sit there and go, okay, which one, what was triggered here? You know, even in, a, in family dynamics, you can usually sit there and go, I know what was triggered. They were telling me what to do, when to do, or pick them up now, or whatever it was, and go, okay, that's interesting. And then have that conversation, which I've done with, with um, some of my family have said, you know, when you ask me to do something in that way, 
it just triggers me because I'm not into, you know, I like to have a choice. Yeah. So, so now I'll notice people say, look, if you've got time, could you pick me up at nine? <laughs> <laughs> and they're very clever at going around it, but it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not manipulation. It's actually being uh, thoughtful enough of what, what it is you know about the other person and what's the best way forward. Yeah. <laughs> Because it could very well be in that situation, Meg, that you can't do exactly what the request is at the time, but there's a way to negotiate and to and, and to work out a good solution for both of you. Yeah, it, it can always work. It's all about communication, isn't it? But just being curious to how people tick is, is it just is really helpful. Now, you've talked about... Um, uh, Brene Brown's work and um, we usually have something or someone or a significant time in our life that impacts on the way we see the world and how we want to contribute to it. So I'm wondering if there has been a significant part of your life, a significant person perhaps or situational challenge that you've had that really has impacted um, the way you now view the world and how passionate you've become about people and yep. the skills for for being a better person. Yes, and I probably I haven't thought this through this question as you've thrown it to me, but I I'm going to go with what I what's Beautiful. coming to me, uh, and that is oh, it's probably about ten years ago, and you 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 probably know the app, but my daughter when she was in grade five did a presentation, it was a wellbeing presentation in class. And she said to me, oh, mum, you do some work in this area, you do some facilitation, you know, can, can you help me? Oh, of course I was right in there. And so I was uh, teaching her about Martin Seligman's work and thinking about, you know, when we have these broken stories, how can we see them differently? And mm. so I was chatting to her she, she, and we did this work and she chose penguins to be on her presentation because she said they're the most resilient animal in the world. So that makes sense because this is about resiliency. And off she did and she went off to her presentation. I was very proud of her PowerPoint. And that afternoon I said, how, how did it go? How did it go? You know, this tiny little thing getting up in front of the class and doing presentation. She said, well, I don't know, but it, it must have gone okay because I'm presenting it in assembly tomorrow to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Must have gone okay. And then from there, I kept using this PowerPoint um, regularly, and especially with my middle child who was having a little bit of trouble at school and being bullied and, and had a lot of those broken, broken thoughts and anxiety type thoughts. So I'd be pulling out the PowerPoint and saying, Well, let's ask penguins and let's talk to the penguins. And I turned to my daughter one day in the car and I said, gosh, I wish your PowerPoint was an app because it'd be so much easier to, to walk through the penguin story. Well, she said, well, why isn't it an app? Let's do it. And not everybody listens to their 10-year-old child, but I went, of course, let's, <laughs> let's do it. So we created, uh, she did a lot of the creation, the, the boys in the family, they also did, did some work on it. Uh, and there's a game in there because my youngest insisted an app wasn't right without a game. And we created Positive Penguins, which has now been around for 10 years. It's got about 50,000 downloads. A lot of schools download it because it takes you through the sort of four questions that looking at your broken thought and trying to see it differently. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was probably a turning point for me because I thought, wow, we're all struggling 
with so many things and we and it's hard to find tools to help us see things differently and that's probably where it started for me and and even in the work I'm doing now you had this wonderful opportunity when COVID hit that I couldn't go out to clients and I couldn't travel anymore and I, I lost a lot of work and I found that this wonderful opportunity because I could I had been complaining that I wanted the world to slow down so I could catch up so I thought right the world slowed down I better catch up so I have been now looking at a couple of different products that again uses technology yeah. to to not not lose that connection that a lot of technologies do but how do we use technology to actually build some of these skills so oh. a 10-year journey is just is continuing and it's it's to me just really exciting and it's the where i guess my passion is is finding ways we can help lots of people um understand our thinking and change some of that that unproductive stuff that goes on but how good is that the penguins are a favourite with nearly anybody I know. So there's a there's a real attachment to the life. I mean, Happy Feet was an amazing um, movie that came out um, using different types of technology and animation, right? Yeah. So you, you can see the, the attractiveness of it. The, the use, I mean, I'm fascinated. Anyone I've spoken to over the last, say, six months, and I do the regular podcast and I have a Be Live show as well on Facebook, um, a lot of people thought that it was technology that was going to cause massive upheaval and disconnection. I'd like to flip that and say, thank heavens for AI and the way we've, what we've developed so far, because it's actually helped us connect whilst we have been isolated even though people will still say the face-to-face -face, um, gives you far more, um, uh, you know, helps us with our connections, with our relationships, that there's, there's more to the face-to-face -face interaction. But I would have to say to you, what I've learned about using, um, say, Zoom, for, uh, in this case, this is what we're doing this afternoon, what I've learned about going through other, other apps is that I fine-tuned some of my skills to for facial expressions, body language, listening really well. So our listening and questioning skills have really altered, I believe, as well. So I'm very grateful that we've had some AI to help us. You know, it's I not... Know. I think technology is, you know, it's that double-edged sword. But it's not going anywhere. It's only going to improve. And as I say, there's generations of people now that have only known the iPhone and, and technology. And so why don't we keep researching and using it uh, for, for positive ways? And they're using AI robots and things in aged care homes. And I sometimes think, well, look, at the moment, that's wonderful because we're not getting in there ourselves. And if there's, and, and the research on this, it, still produces some dopamine it's never going to take away from human relationships we're always going to have those and i think if people are are afraid of that that's that that's kind of a crooked belief too because pe people are great but technology can enhance it and i you're right in this um in this COVID time the you know facebook facetime zoom the ability for us to connect has been uh, we are so lucky we uh, we've just had um, a new engagement in the family, and um, so because um, our beautiful new daughter-in-law is uh, her family's in Victoria, we're going to wait. They want to wait so we all can dance together. 
<laughs> and we've also got a new grandchild arriving. So, uh, but they're based in Queensland. So this will be the first time for us that we're not on a plane or in the car going straight up to, um, to meet our beautiful new grandchild. Um, and it's, um, you know, I listen to many stories about, particularly about loss of family members, the generational, generational farewells that are really very different now um, uh, because of border um, regulations, because of all this. And my heart does, um, my heart actually sort of breaks a little bit for them. So this, um, the way that we're compassionate for other people, I think is coming to the fore and it's part of your model as well, your care model. And uh, we, 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 we have to actually move ourselves from those those unproductive thoughts about what this is not, you know, this is not able to happen this time, woe be me, to, okay, how can I make it the best possible experience when, I, when I'm not able to do the face-to-face? -face? Um, so I think there's, there's a fair bit. I think we've learned a, quite a lot. We mightn't like it, but that's part of thriving. We may not like certain things, but we're, we, we develop the skills to be able to manage manage our reactions and be as present and um, uh, learn from it. It's really interesting. I had an experience recently in, in this current lockdown in Victoria and I didn't realise until I went in to, to, to see somebody in hospital that no visitors are allowed into the hospitals in Victoria. So if you, you know, if my mum has a fall and goes into hospital, I cannot see her. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really shocked me. I thought there's got to be a way around this because, and and when I went to drop off flowers, oh, flowers weren't going into the hospital either because people, you know, they'd have the people would have to look after them, and we just didn't have the resources or time. So you're in a room, in a hospital room with no visitors, and if you're elderly, you don't necessarily have a phone or anything. So the well-being of the patient, I think, you know. We've got to we've got to really learn from that. But one of the other things I took away from it was, okay, I don't like this. I can't necessarily change this right now, yeah. but I certainly connect with the the people I should connect with in whatever ways I can now before anybody goes to hospital. Not wait for for something to happen. But I hope that we learn as a country a lot about this because the the border closes and the, the hospital closures and what's happening to families. I think is going to have some some huge ramifications and we need to think about doing this differently. I do agree. Meg, um, I asked one of the last questions I ask any of my guests is if you had a message for the world at the moment, what would you like to tell them? I think my message would go back to reminding everybody to, well, maybe it's not reminding people, but to think that you know, everyone's doing the best with what they have. So open your thinking a little bit more and try to understand what's their story. And if every single person was to be really curious about the other person's story and know they're doing the best, I think we would be a much more compassionate race, human race. I think we're I think you're absolutely spot on. Spot on. Um, Usually, if people would like to get to know more about you and your work, I'd love to be able to say to you, tell everybody how that how best they can connect with you. So um, 
give it a crack. <laughs> uh, it's probably best through my, my website, which is hrinside.com.au. Um, and all my, my, my details are there. Otherwise, also go and have a look at our app, Positive Penguins, on the App Store and Google Play. Uh, and I think it's even got HR inside there in terms of the developer. So that's probably the easiest. Oh, fantastic. I, um, I feel like we should have picked up the camera and taken it out into the paddocks to visit the llamas. That's what I... <laughs> I I'll pack I, it, Gary. I'll pack it. Maybe I should send you that photo. There's your, there's your sort of starter photo, just an alpaca. <laughs> I'm just going to say, just picking up on my 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 um, error there. Do people actually mix llamas and alpacas up? All the, all the time, all the yes. time. They're very so, alpacas, llamas, and camels all related. Uh, <laughs> llama is a bigger animal with with bigger ears, and yes, anybody that owns alpacas and they and somebody mentions llamas will go oh, alpacas. <laughs> well, I'm allowing you to go. Oh, carry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you've called my dog a cat. It's just not okay. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, one, of, one of the things that we've learned to do through all this is laugh at ourselves. And I think it's one of the, the <laughs> my favourite thriving mechanisms is to have a jolly good belly laugh at yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and and just you know what really matters and what really matters at the at the moment is that we connect and we support each other and we look to a future. We've all got some responsibilities. So our call to action, listeners, um, I would love you to um, just increase your curiosity, just about another ten percent in this week, and each week up at another ten percent around how your friends, relatives, people are actually travelling. Mm. Find out a little bit more about their story to open up more of your curiosity around finding out why they think how they do and how that then affects their behaviours. You know, the care model is, is, I think, is really effective. And I love the notion of clarity of choice, being more curious, autonomy, Having, having room around your options of how to think and behave. Mostly, I love the fact that our relationships are the beneficiaries of all this. Um, you know, I also want to say one of the quotes that I've gotten from your, from your care model, um, Meg, is about compassion. Compassion leads to connection. Contempt leads to disconnection. And I think that's one of the quotable quotes for today. And our final part of the model is equity. You know, that perception of what's, of what's fair and equitable, it's, it's a high emotional um, trigger for us all. Um, so over the, over the next week, your call to action, be a little bit more curious. We've got two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Perhaps we double up our observation and our listening skills. <laughs> so thank you very much for this afternoon. Down on the farm, I'm so pleased you're there and that uh, we're able to uh, walk around the paddocks and blow the cobwebs out. That's all right. Thank you so much for that. And thanks for sharing your, your care model. I think it's um, very impactful and I know that people will be curious to learn more about it. Listeners, if you'd like to know more about what I do, um, you can pop on to carriebenedette.com. You'll find me on most socials. I'm passionate about you and your thriving 
So I'll always say, your thriving matters. You are precious, so go gently. So till next time, thank you, Meg. Look after yourself, Victorians, and anybody else around the globe. Uh, just know that in a way, we're all in this together. So let's find the best way forward to, to be supportive and connect. So thanks, Meg. Thank you, Karen. Thank you very much. Bye for now.